good morning, First Lutheran Church. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you in the traditional service. Hello to those of you who are in our fellowship hall in the contemporary service. And hello also to those of you who are joining us online, watching on the screen this morning, uh, outside of the building. Uh, I think that we probably have a few more online viewers today after uh, the snowpocalypse hit this morning. Uh, and, uh, well, it seems like a snowpocalypse, doesn't it? Considering we haven't had it that bad yet. Uh, but it's good to be here with each other nonetheless, and it's good to be in community uh, with those who are joining us online. I love how God can work through anything, including technology. That's pretty cool. This is week number nine. It's the final week of our Deep Roots series here at First Lutheran. We've been going through an examination of the Apostles' Creed, and we've been looking at what it says, because the Apostles' Creed, it's, it's the foundational beliefs it's a statement of our faith. It tells us exactly what, as Christians, what we think. And so we're examining those thoughts. We're examining those beliefs in order to figure out what it is we believe about God in hopes of knowing him better. And this week, we're landing on this line. And I'd like, if you are a Christian, if you profess the faith, I'd like for you to join me in saying this. Uh, we'll put it up on the board. And so if you're a Christian, would you please read this with me now? He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. It's an interesting line to me, because I, I've attended church my entire life. I grew up going to church, um, and with that, I said the Apostles' Creed countless times throughout my life. And a lot of you can probably relate to that. Some of you, you're newer to this, and so you hear this line, so, so maybe that doesn't make complete sense to you. But I'll tell you this. Me, as somebody who grew up in the church, a lot of people who are at church every single week and say this part every single week, we don't have a very good understanding of the ascension sometimes either. Because we hear the lines before that. Well, Jesus, he came into the earth. He was born. Big event. Then we get to the point of Jesus died. Big event. Jesus rose from the dead. Big event. And it's really the big three events in Jesus' life, in our opinion. And it, and it shows just in how we celebrate them. You know, there's Christmas to celebrate Jesus' birth. And so we go out and we get presents for people and we share them and we have family together and we come to church and we have multiple Christmas Eve services to celebrate Jesus coming into the world. And then we have the death of Jesus, and we have a Good Friday service, and we remember what Jesus did for us, the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And then we have Easter, and, and you go out and you, you buy a card, and you, and, and you pronounce this, uh, this, this truth to your friends. Jesus is risen! So we celebrate those things through gifts, through presents, through services. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you went to Hallmark and asked, hey, can I get an Ascension card? What? <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I did look up uh, Ascension cards online, and turns out you can make an Ascension card on Hallmark.com because you can make anything on Hallmark.com. I also saw you could make a Happy Polar Bear Day card on Hallmark.com. But none of us would know that because we don't ask about it anyway. See, there's these big three events, in our opinion. And then there's the ascension. Why? Why do we not place much value on that? Well, perhaps it's because of how we feel when we think about the other things. Jesus 
comes into the earth and God is with us. Emmanuel, that's what it means, God with us. And so we feel good. We feel loved. And then Jesus dies on the cross. And while it's, it's, it's something that we mourn and it's a tragic event, it's something we're unbelievably grateful for. We couldn't express it with our words. And so we thank him for that and we remember that it makes us feel like a burden's been taken off of our shoulders. We feel loved. We feel like a burden's been taken off. And then Easter, Jesus has risen from the dead. So no longer is death an obstacle between us and God. He's wiped that out. He's made it possible for us. And so we feel free. We feel loved. We feel weightless. We feel free. So we celebrate them. And then there's the ascension. When Jesus leaves. Wow. I mean, first glance, it's a little underwhelming. Come into this earth, you die for me, you rise from the dead for me, and then you leave me? Now put yourself in the disciples' shoes when they're walking around with Jesus after the resurrection. They've been with him for years. They saw his ministry. They saw his miracles. They know he's the Son of God. They believe that he's the Messiah who's come to restore them, who's come to save them, who's come to free them. And all the way up to the point of ascension, the disciples are asking over and over again, as as Acts chapter 1 tells us, hey Jesus, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Let me paraphrase that for you. What they're asking is, hey Jesus, is this the time that you're going to restore our political position? Because if we get the context of what's happening, the disciples were Jews. And the Jewish people made up the nation of Israel. This is God's people. And the nation of Israel, they were this powerful nation. But through moral failure, through organizational failure, structural failure, you name it, they fell into oppression. And so when Jesus arrives, they're living under the oppression of the Romans. So put yourself in in the disciples' shoes. They've heard through prophecies. God is coming to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. A Messiah is coming. A Savior is coming. So of course they're going to think, what's my problem? The oppression that I face. The fact that we are at the bottom of the totem pole. The fact that the Romans rule over us. So yeah, I would have to think when the Messiah comes, when the Savior comes, what he's going to do is he's going to restore me politically. He's going to fix my situation here on earth. And here's where the story takes an interesting twist. Jesus ascends. What? Hold on. I just asked you, is this the time when you're going to restore, restore us here? Come on, please. Can you do this? I'm sick of being oppressed. I'm hurt. I'm broken. I'm in pain. Can't you fix this situation? And you're leaving? Perhaps we don't place a lot of value on the ascension because we misunderstand it. Just like the the disciples did. The disciples. Jesus, I want you to fix my earthly situation. Oh, and I know you can because you died on a cross for me and then you rose from the dead. So you're so powerful. You can fix anything. So fix this. 
And maybe when we as Christians say, we don't look at the ascension and just necessarily think quite as poorly as, as the disciples right away. Because we, we read the rest of Scripture and we know, okay, well, he sends us the Holy Spirit. We know that. Are you practicing it? When you had your hopes up and they got let down. When you had your hopes up for that job. When you had the hopes up for your kid. When you had your hopes up for the tryout. We had your hopes up for your marriage and something crumbled. What did that do to your relationship with God? How did you let it affect it? Did you praise God through it? If you did, I admire that. Did you seek him? Fantastic. But if I'm going to tell you what I've really done this morning, if I'm going to be completely honest about it, completely transparent, there have been times when I've blamed God There have been times I've been angry with God. There are times that I have doubted God. And there are times that I have avoided God. You're leaving me? Fix my problems. It's not just, is this the time? It's, will you please do this now? Haven't I suffered long enough? Aren't I in enough pain? And you're leaving me? Well, yeah, if we just look at it at the surface level like that, we're going to misunderstand it. And we're going to find ourselves in the exact same situation as the disciples. Standing. Unable to move. At least for the moment. We read just a little bit later in that passage that the disciples, that's their response. Have you been there? When you're so heartbroken, when your heart breaks so deeply that it forgets how to feel, you're just in this numbness. And so even if you moved, you're not moving, you're not doing anything, you're not going anywhere, you're not making any progress, and you're just standing there, Jesus, you left me. My teacher's gone. Come back. I'm not here to tell you today that your suffering and that your pain should just be looked past. I'm not here to tell you today that the disciples didn't have this suffering and pain. What I am saying is that I think that Scripture calls us to think bigger. And not just bigger, but think better. See, the disciples... They're standing there. And Acts describes it, Luke describes it in the book of Acts as two, two men in white robes. They, they, they come to the disciples, they say, why are you standing? Why aren't you moving? Why, why are you feeling numb? Why are you feeling alone? Why are you misunderstanding this? Do you not see what's happened? See, Jesus ascends. Jesus goes somewhere. And in the disciples' head, it's, it's okay. You're, you're not ascending. You're leaving. And now maybe you're telling me today, well, ascending and leaving, that's the same thing. Ascending is a form of leaving. Well, sure, ascending can have two different meanings. I mean, in one sense, ascend, I can physically ascend to something. I can physically go somewhere. 
when I was a kid, and if my parents weren't home, and I was playing around with my brother and my sister, it would be a race to my dad's recliner. Because my dad's recliner also held the remote control for the TV. And so if I could ascend into that recliner, that throne, I would have power. And then no longer would I just be brother to John and Christy. My relationship would clearly change, right? Because now I'd be in But come on, I didn't do anything to earn that spot. Because the moment that my dad came home, it turned into, that's not dad's recliner, that's out spot. <laughs> Danny, out spot. Move. Okay. Right back on the level with John and Christy. I didn't do any. I physically ascended to a place, but nothing changed. So yeah, you can physically ascend somewhere, but don't be mistaken. Jesus' ascension is not merely physical. Jesus is not just looking for a new place to sit. See, I had that relationship with my, brothers and, with my brother and sister. Christ entered relationship with us. The, the way that we know God is because he wrote himself into our story. He, be, he became Emmanuel in Christ. God with us. Here I am. God with us. Emmanuel. But then that changes when he ascends. When he ascends, the relationship is now different. How? What happened? Well, it's because Jesus isn't just ascending to a physical place. He's not looking for a new place to sit in the universe. He is finding a new position in the universe to establish a new relationship with us. And it changes everything. Don't misunderstand the ascension. Jesus is not traveling through time and space. He's leaving time and space. He's, he's taking the, what is bound by the world. And he gets out of it. Why? How? When Mary sees Jesus after he's risen from the dead, she, she is overfilled with joy and she cries, Rabboni, teacher. And the scripture tells us that Jesus has to tell her, don't hold on to me, Mary. I haven't ascended yet. I haven't finished my work yet. Isn't that interesting? Clearly, Jesus' work is not done when he's a baby. We get that. Clearly, Jesus' work is not done when he's died on the cross. We know that because we see the resurrection. But oftentimes we think that's it. The work's done. But there's more to the story. His work isn't finished yet. And so he says, Mary, don't hold on to me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. I'm not just going to a new place. I'm going to sit in a new position. You have to understand, if you let go of me here, if you stop holding on to me and you let me ascend... I'll never be away from you. They could never take me away. They could never separate us. They couldn't put you in a dungeon. They couldn't put you on the other side of the earth. Do you remember when you were a kid and, and your parents would be leaving for work? And maybe my siblings, I were the only ones who did this, but grab onto your parents' leg like a koala bear 
And like they're trying to walk out of the house. She's like, no, you're not leaving. No, play with me. That's, that's exactly what I sounded like when I was four. <laughs> Still sound like that today. Whatever. Um, it's that cry of don't leave me. Let me hold on to you. Well, little did I know that my parents needed to go to work. They needed to support me. It was better for me that they were leaving. It was better for me that they were going somewhere else. Now, their place that they were going was somewhere else physical. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that where they were going was helping me. And Mary didn't get it quite yet either. Just like the disciples didn't get it. Standing there, watching, numb, unable to move, heartbroken. Jesus, you left me. Rabboni, teacher, you're back. Oh, yes. No, Mary, don't hold on to me. I'm not done yet. Hear this again. Jesus isn't ascending to a new place in the universe. He's ascending to a new position to establish a new relationship with the universe. He's not traveling through space and time. He's leaving space and time. He's ascending to the right hand of the Father. And do you see how significant that is? Do you see how important it is that Jesus leaves time and space? Do you see that he's not just simply raising off of the ground? Do you see that this has to happen as a part of Christ's work? If he stays in time and space, he is in this one body at one time. And if Mary's going to connect with him, she has to be in his physical presence. If his disciples are going to connect with him, they have to be there with him. And Jesus changes that by ascending out of time and space into the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing there? Mom, Dad, why are you leaving me right now? Where are you going? Come back. Jesus, why did you do that? My mom and dad were going to work to take care of me. Understand this. Jesus is going to work. He is working right now. The same Jesus who ascended is the same Jesus who is in heaven today working for you. He is not absent. He is reigning. He is ruling at the right hand of the Father for you. Hebrews chapter 4 explains what Jesus is doing. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Jesus is not leaving. He is ascending. It's not end of the story. It's not now my problems are never going to be solved. It's deeper than that. My faith stands true. My faith is honest. My faith isn't a lie. Jesus isn't absent. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Do you see the beauty in this? Jesus came down to earth. He was Emmanuel. He was God with us. And so then when he ascends into heaven, he is a human ascending to heaven. A human who, yes, is also fully God. And in his life, he lived the life we should have lived perfectly. And then he died the death that we should die for us so that he can ascend into heaven blameless. So then when the Father looks at us, imperfect people, he sees his Son This father who loves the world enough, who loves his creation enough to send that son in the world, 
You know that verse, right? John 3.16. It's the most famous recited verse. Famous and most recited verse. For God so loved the world, they gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. Don't forget the verse after that. God didn't send his son into this world to condemn it, but to save it. This is where the saving happens. This is where our grace is realized. This is how we get salvation. If Jesus just stays in bodily form, if he just stays here on earth, if he doesn't leave time and space, we'd have to get into his physical presence. But instead, Jesus takes a new position in which he's not absent, but a position in which he reigns, and a position in which he's able to enter our hearts. Emmanuel, God with us, also becomes God in us. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we, may, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Our salvation is being realized because Christ ascends and he's in you. Mary, don't hold on to me. It's better for you that I go, he says to his disciples. If I go, we'll never be apart. If I go, you could never run outside the love of my outstretched arms. That's in you. That's what happens when Jesus ascends. Not to be absent, but ascends to reign. To take his new position. To establish a new relationship. That changes everything. The disciples are standing there. Numb. Broken. Alone. And the angels say to them, Why are you standing? Why aren't you moving? Don't you know don't you know that the same Jesus that you just saw get taken into, the same Jesus that you just saw ascend into heaven, don't you know that he's going to be coming back? Don't you know that he's coming back? Not only, we don't look up and in sorrow and wonder and feel alone. We look forward, knowing that Christ is in us. Christ isn't gone. I'm grown up now. I don't hold on to my parents as they leave. But it doesn't mean that my relationship with them is gone. I live four hours away. They live in Des Moines. I live in Minneapolis. But you see them in everything I am. Even if you don't know them, I am from them. They are in me. I have my mom's eyes. I have my dad's enormous chin. You can laugh at that. It's fine. <laughs> Thankfully, I got all my mom's other looks. All right. I don't know. Like, just trying to compliment my mom. Christmas is coming up. She's watching. Hi, Mom. You see them in everything we do, in everything I do. And that's what the angels say to the disciples standing there. Don't you remember what Jesus' last command to you is? Jesus, is this the time where you're going to restore Israel? Jesus' response, it's not for you to know that. It's not for you to know when the restoration is going to take place. That's for the Father. What your job is, wait a second, they just asked what your job is, Jesus. And he says, no, no, your job is to be my witness. 
You have the Holy Spirit. You have my spirit in you. And in everything you do, people will see me. Despite your flaws, despite your imperfections, despite what you mistake, people will see me. They will see that you are a people who doesn't stand numb and immovable and unable to go, unable to fathom what might happen to you in the near future because chaos surrounds in earthly situations. But you're a people that looks forward. You're bearing my witness. You imperfect people. What a gift. Jesus knew they were imperfect. Right up to his ascension, they're still misunderstanding. And yet Jesus trusts us with this gift. No, you, you have me in you. He doesn't say, well, you messed up. I should probably stay. He ascends. Jesus chooses to identify with you. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that when we decide to identify with the body of Christ. It's so easy for us to say, I am a witness of Christ. That person over there says to be a Christian, but let's be honest, they're a heretic. Or that person over there claims to be a Christian, but they're just so judgmental. I'm not going to associate with any of that. No, see what Jesus does. I associate with you. I identify with you. Flaws and all. And so yeah, there are people in the body of Christ who voted differently than you, who have different perspectives than you, who, who have completely different backgrounds than you, which explain their different perspectives. Body of Christ. We are an imperfect people representing Christ. He identifies with us. We identify with him and we bear witness in love. Christ says, you, you, they, the people will know you are with me by your love. So what happens when we go out to the world and say, yeah, don't listen to that Christian. No, don't listen to that Christian. That's an unbeliever. They don't agree with me on everything. No, we are the body of Christ. Imperfections and all. We are his bride. And he's reigning. And he's preparing a place for us. And he gives us this promise that we can trust. And so we grab that promise and we hold on to it and we have him in our hearts. And together, as an imperfect people, as a flawed community, we go out into the rest of the world, we say, I have this for you. I see that, I see that you have issues. I see that you have earthly problems. I see that you want your situations fixed. I can't, I can't stop your sickness. I can't fix your poor relationship with your boss. But I can offer you a promise. And a promise that is true. And that overcomes the chaos in your life. Jesus doesn't leave. He reigns. And so we look forward to his return, witnessing for him. The work isn't done. It wasn't done at the birth. It wasn't done at the death. It wasn't done at the resurrection. And it wasn't done at the ascension. Jesus' work continues. And how? 
through us. In the book of Ephesians, when it says Christ himself has reached you, Christ himself has spoken to you, how? Jesus never went to Ephesus. He never went to Asia Minor. He never went to these places. You see my parents in everything I do. Well, we're children of God. We have Christ in us. We have his spirit. And so when we move to them, when we speak to them, it's Christ's spirit. What an honor. What a privilege. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a community that preaches truth into a world full of people standing and wondering, what's next? Come back safety. Come back help. And the most beautiful part of it all, he is coming back. And he will reign forever. And through the ascension, after his resurrection, after his death, after he's entered the world, God who is with us, God who is in us, works through us. I want to be a part of that. I want to witness. I want to represent Christ. We don't stand. We respond. The disciples, after they were told, responded. And you've got the rest of Acts and the rest of the New Testament to see the miracles that took place when they respond, when we bear witness. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you um, for your grace. Um, The grace that is big enough to send your son into this world that proclaims, God, you're with us. And then, God, you take it a step further and, God, you're in us. And now, God, you're working through us. You've knocked on the doors of our hearts. Encourage us to respond. Encourage us to move. To be a people that's not afraid. To be a people to know that one day we won't be bound by time and space. Because when your son left time and space, he brings everything that he did, everything that he said with him. Well, that made a way. God, encourage us to be a part of sharing that news. Loving the world as your witness. Amen.